Ooh, it's Halloween. Meet me for coffee. And you don't want to miss this. The iconic Jason Voorhees joins us right now. This is a, an amazing episode, probably with one of the most iconic Halloween characters. And for those of you who pay attention in our horror movie buffs, you'll know my next guest. He played the role of Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. He's here in the body and flesh, the real Jason Voorhees, CJ Graham. Thanks for joining us. How's it going, man? Hey, it's going great. Thank you for inviting me on your show. And uh, thank you for the legions of fans. Here we are three decades later, and there's still just an amazing popularity of Jason Voorhees. 1986 was an amazing year for you. Yeah, it, for me, I mean, I was in Los Angeles. I was general manager of a nightclub and just kind of fell into an opportunity to get a Screen Actors Guild card, do stunts, et cetera. And, and a lot of people may not know this, but I was not a stuntman. I'd never done a stunt in my life uh, or acted in my life. And you can debate if wearing a hockey mask is acting, but I'll challenge anybody to put a mask on and show me anger, frustration, curiosity, or power without saying a word, without watching your eyebrows go up or down. Um, so I think it's a little different form of acting, but for me, it was an amazing opportunity. And, you know, uh, I did all my own stunts. I didn't get hurt. I didn't hurt anybody, which is even more important. And, uh, we had a blast. And it's really cool to be, uh, an iconic character in this amazing series because there's, there's many, uh, legendary, uh, series of movies like Star Wars and, you know, Halloween, uh, many people want to be you for Halloween. Um, I know I look like it's kind of, it's a Halloween themed show. I look like uncle Fester now from like the Adams family. Cause I've been up almost all night, but um, how does it feel to be looked up to in that way, shape or form? You know, it, it's very humbling. You know, it wasn't my goal to get in the industry. It wasn't my goal. It was my uh, fortune to be able to say three decades later that, uh, last week, I did a convention for four days, and I was there for three days, obviously, and young people come up to me. Uh, two people came up to me that were seven years old. They were Jason fans. One was with her uh, father. He was 36, which means technically he was one year old when the film came out, <laughs> and he was there as a fan, as were his parents. So it's, it's multi-generational, and you know, at the end of the day, humbly appreciative to you know, be in that iconic role. And this character, uh, obviously, were you you a fan of the Halloween movies before he got casted in it? Or did you know anything about him? You know, I I, I looked at a couple, um, you know, always watch it. I always was a universal horror monster, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, werewolf. Uh, But when the part came up for Friday the 13th, you know, I did take a look at part four to get a gauge. And I took a look at part one just to see what the starting mode was. And then I just kind of compressed it into what came out of part six, along with the direction of Tom wow. McLaughlin, the writer director, of course. So how did it feel to step on the set for the first time behind this mask, um, reprising the role of Jason Voorhees? You know, I mean, really it, at the time it wasn't anything super for me. It was cool. I'm in this hockey mask. I, my first scene is stepping into a profile of Jason with the motorhome behind me rocking I turn, I give a curiosity tilt to it, and I move towards it. But not knowing, look at this today, and now I just kind of go, are you serious? And very, again, when I say the word humble, I really mean it. I had no anticipation that it would be migrating 
you know, 30 years later, and here we are talking about it, and we've already done 12 of them now, and looking for the reprise, which would be Friday the 13th, part 13, uh, once they put another one out. Unreal. Like, auditioning for a part like this, I know I read in, in previous reports that the guy who was originally playing, uh, Jason, uh, they didn't think he was powerful or intimidating enough, and they, they found you somehow. Uh, you, were a, you were a nightclub owner at that time or no? Well, I was a general manager of a nightclub, and it was twofold. Um, I had had a hypnotist on the stage one night, and a production company the hypnotist brought in to shoot his show happened to be called Real Effects. Real Effects did all the special effects on part four. So when they came in, they said, why don't we do a Jason and scare the subjects on stage? And you look at CJ, he's got the right size. And, you know, we got the part four costume from Ted White. We'll put him in that same quality. When I came through the screen, they kept talking about, we're going to cast you. And, you know, I laughed about it. That's funny. Um, but a couple months later, they called me down to meet everybody, the tr director, the stunt coordinator. Before you knew it, I was in front of Frank Mancuso Jr. at Paramount Studios. I did not get the part originally. And the person that was cast was a full-blown stunt person. Um, the one scene in the movie, which is the paintball hit in the midsection is not me. And that scene was shot. But when it came back to a daily, as you indicated, they're just, they weren't satisfied. It wasn't, something was missing in what they were looking for creativity wise. And they called me back in on a Friday. And by Tuesday morning, Monday morning, I was in Covington, Georgia, uh, shooting Friday the 13th and Jason, they actually left that part in. And a lot of people just think it's me because I'm in the whole film. Uh, they just assume I'm wearing padding uh, because the paintballs, I'm quite confident would hurt. But the person was a little thicker than I was. Uh, so there's a little bit of a body difference. But for the most part, similarities right down. And uh, again, picking it up after one scene was a no-brainer. What did they see in you that the other guy didn't have then? Well, maybe my attitude. Uh, I'd only been on the military a few years. I have a very stern, solid walk. I've always walked very firmly. But when you go in the military, I was in the military 46 years ago. So you're 17 and you're marching. Everything is 30 inches all around. Um, 6'3", I was not 245 pounds when I, as I did the movie. I was probably a buck 70 when I was coming out of the shower. Uh, but I had grown over the years and, you know, started lifting and taking care of myself when I got in the military. So I, I kind of walked around like thinking I might be big. I mean, uh, the Gold's Gym I worked at, all the guys were the guys from the 1980 Gladiators, if you remember all the Gladiators. Of course I do. Um, you know, and all the guys uh, from Malibu uh, to, you know, and M Darren McBee was uh, Malibu, if you remember him, to, you know, after I did the film, you know, I still was working at the gym with all these guys who were doing films. And I just kind of just hung out and did our thing. You served from 1974 to 1978, right? Correct. Well, thank you for your service. And if, if you're watching the video, um, I know some of you listen through the podcast mainly, but our new YouTube channel, um, you can see um, up on the top left of uh, um, CJ's screen here, he's got his army uniform. And, uh, you know, being in the army, like you've probably, did you ever serve overseas? Yeah, I did. What, what we are designated, there's, there's Vietnam era, there's Vietnam okay. vets. Don't distinguish the two. Vietnam started in 59. The campaign was over in 1975. Uh, big campaign was obviously 68, 70, uh, 68 through 70. And most of our POWs came home in 73. So, you know, we are called Vietnam era. There's Vietnam vets that stepped on soil and you would never say that you're a Vietnam vet, Vietnam era. 
Um, I enjoyed it. I went overseas. I went through. I was guarding nuclear missiles in Germany, Persians, um, doing guard duty and stuff, 11 Bravo infantry. So I'll see if I can turn this without messing it up. But yeah, that's my actual uniform when I got out of the military. I was a sergeant, uh, as you can see. You got see. some medals there. What's that, what's that big medal on the bottom? The, is it a patch where like, there's a lacrosse? Yeah, those are the patches, the different units I worked for. The dead center one is a Persian company, which was a Persian nuclear missile. And the one on the left and right are both uh, infantry units. One was 7th Infantry Unit in California. The other one's the 3rd Infantry Mechanized Unit in Germany. And, and the, the three arrows, that means you're, you're what, what does that, that uh, designate? Three arrows? Oh, yeah. three stripes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a sergeant. Sergeant. Well, that's amazing. And and, and coming home and, and trying to get your life back together, was it easy for you after leaving the Army? I mean, I had no direction when I went in at 17. Uh, I have, you know, my father died when I was three uh, in 1960. So for me, it was good direction, good motivation. And it gave me a sense of uh, direction. And then I've always kept that integrity, that honor factor forever. And some of those things I was able to bring to the film and into my career, uh, be it running nightclubs or chief operating officer, general manager of casino resorts, same caliber of respect. It goes two ways. Um, so I always looked at things a little differently than most. I don't walk in and say, well, I've got a, a master's degree in something. I walk in and say, what do you know? What don't you know? And we're going to build this relationship on three words, qualify, quantify, simplify. That's how you run a business. You qualify what you want to do. You quantify it for a return on the investment. You simplify it so everybody understands the rules of engagement. And that means the dishwasher knows what we're doing. The Valley Parker knows. The executive vice presidents, my two senior vice president, general managers that reported to me knew what to do. We all knew what the mission was. Very important. Then you work as a unit. You, you come with a wealth of life experience just knowing that you served in the army, which is something that I really recommend people do, um, especially now. Uh, I mean, uh, people get need to find their values and, and get, get uh, you know, in tip-top shape. It's a, it's a great opportunity to go out there, get an education, uh, learn some other crazy things, uh, maybe how to uh, get life experience. That's, that's a big thing in today's society. Um, but being an actor, you know, it, military, actor, um, by the way, you got to explain to me that suit behind you. What, what, what is that, that, that whole get up do back there? It's a uh, Jason. Well, behind me is my alter ego, Jason Voorhees. And <laughs> I have an opportunity to put him behind me. And that way people think he's going to come to life. Um, yeah. my career, I've been fortunate. Um, you have to understand George, I'm 63. So I have done everything from being in the military to, you know, uh, I ran Chippendales in Culver city for a year. Uh, oh, wow. So, I mean, and then through being a general manager, chief operating officer of casino resorts, uh, you know, with a hundred million dollar payroll and 22 to 2,500 employees on any given day. So I've been fortunate. Some of it was luck. Some of it was just a lot of hard work. Uh, maybe a lot of it was a combination. Um, my college degree, I always tell people I have a PhD in common sense. Yeah, uh, so I'll yeah. put that up against any MBA any day. Um, but, you know, I think college has value at the same time, but you need to apply the application of what you learn on paper to a common sense approach when you get out there into the real world. Because uh, just because it's a 90 degree right turn, sometimes the right turn doesn't work. You've got to do some modifications. Absolutely. I believe it's a, a, lot, a lot to do with common sense. There are people who graduate these days 
And uh, if something happens, they, they can't piss their way out of a paper bag, you know? Um, it's almost yeah, street I mean, smarts. And, and I, and I, I don't downplay college degrees. I think it's an important feature um, in my day. Uh, the military was something that gave me that projection, those perimeters, boundaries, leadership. Um, you learn as a non-commissioned officer, an NCO, you know, about taking a platoon of 30, 32 soldiers and you hit an LZ, a landing zone, uh, you come out of a Huey or a Chinook and the object is to get everybody home. And you're trained over and over and over because it becomes so simplistic because you can do it in your eyes closed. And I mean that. Uh, but I have an utmost respect for anybody that served in the military, especially when I'm doing a convention and I meet somebody that's in the service or a veteran. Uh, true story, last year I did a convention and I had a young lady come up to me and uh, she was wondering about an autograph. I said, no problem, I'll give you an autograph. And I told this young lady, George, I said, you know what? I said, I'll get there in the autograph. She goes, I go, what do you do? And she goes, well, I'm a colonel in the United States Air Force. So I want you to think about that. I said, so you're going to put my picture behind your desk and a sergeant or lieutenant's going to come in and you've got Jason behind you. She goes, yeah. <laughs> so it's a very large community when it comes to not just military, but also that poor people that are really into the horror and the caliber of horror. So I'm, I'm very honored. It's amazing that you can go 30 years later and still do these, do these conventions and people still recognize you. And it's like generations of generations Congratulations on everything that you've accomplished in your lifetime, uh, being a war vet, a, a U.S. military veteran. So yeah, stop myself. I say war veteran, right? We 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 uh, we split the the Vietnam era with the actual Vietnam people who actually went out there. Um, everything, the, the the Halloween thing. You know, now you're in Montana. Uh, we mentioned off the air that you you work on a ranch. You know, there, there's so much life experience. They have magic casinos and resorts. Um, what's one thing of advice, one word or one uh, thing they could tell to someone right now that is trying to pursue their dreams or trying to pursue a career and trying to make something happen for themselves? Well, you know, cliche as it is, never give up. But more importantly, remember, sometimes luck is involved and the best person isn't always hired. Just remember that. Sometimes you're going to get rejected. That doesn't mean you're the best, not the best qualified or not going to do the best job. Some people look better on paper or they assume they're going to do a better job, then come to find out, you know, they can't deliver what they sold when they were doing the interview. So always remember that, you know, sometimes luck, but once you get the job, you've got to produce, you've got to make sure you're taking care of your business. And I don't care if it's stepping into the Jason costume, being able to deliver a product. Um, I hope we delivered it well. Uh, I've become very close with all the Jasons. They're all great personnel, great people and worked really hard to keep the camaraderie between the Jasons. And then we pick on the Halloween character, Michael Myers, <laughs> you know, we pick on Leatherface. And I know all the guys are great men, don't take it wrong. They work hard, great athletes, great stuntmen. But, and they're probably related to Jason through DNA somewhere. There's gotta be a second cousin yeah. to get them to be like they are. But I always tell, like the, like the Michael Myers, I, yeah, I love them, I think they're great. But I always tell them the real men use a machete, not an Outback steak knife. Yes. And I get a rise out of all the Michael Myers guys, uh, especially if somebody comes up to my table wearing a Michael Myers shirt. You know, I give them that real men. And you'd be surprised how many go out and buy a Jason T-shirt and come back a little while later because they're, they feel bad they come up to me with a Michael Myers. But at the end of the day, you look at Michael Myers, you look at Freddy Krueger, you look at Leatherface, Jason, those have carried on for decades. And it's it's 
really appreciative and honored to be part of that group, that very elite uh, fraternity of horror figures. And finally, the question I ask everyone is meet me for coffee. We like to meet for coffee. We like to talk about coffee. How do you take your coffee? You know, I'm going to be very embarrassed here because I don't drink coffee. Oh, what do you drink? Uh, you remember I said qualify, quantify, simplify? Yes. Coffee is a diuretic. You drink coffee, you have to run to the bathroom. So that's a lot of time consuming going to the bathroom. I just take a caffeine pill, 200 milligrams, and get the same effect without drinking all the fluid, and I don't have to run to the bathroom. Yeah, you know, I should probably try that because – Common sense. Obviously up all night, running the washroom, drinking so much coffee. So. And if you want to run the numbers, let's do a ratio at 6 bucks a cup of coffee – Three thirty days a month, hundred eighty dollars times twelve months. What is that? Two thousand dollars. Yeah. And I can buy a caffeine pill, sixty of them for six bucks. Well, look at <laughs> him. He's got, it all, he's got it all figured out. CJ. You know, but common sense tells me if you want to look at numbers and ratios, I mean, I think you'll save about sixteen hundred a year on coffee. I assume in most people, that's a couple car payments. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It adds up. <laughs> it adds up big time, right? You go to yes, Starbucks, three bucks a cup. Uh, yes, you know. It does it adds up huge and it's very hard to just make your own coffee every day. I'll have to try the caffeine pill thing because I know a lot of people told me that it actually has the same, same benefits. Obviously you're a proof of it. Exact um, same benefits. I learned that in the military guard duty, guard nuclear missiles, and you know, you got to stay awake and you know, so you can't sit out there with a cup of coffee. Uh, so you just take a caffeine pill, a swig of water, and you still have the same effect as having a cup or two cups of coffee. And, you know, the same thing. You can do too much and get the jitters just like coffee or get a headache. So, but you never abuse it, but qualify, quantify, simplify. Why has it got to be complicated? I don't need to go make it. I don't got to hit the drive through. I don't need cream and sugar in it. Just, you know, you pop a little pill that says no dose at the store and it works. Well, that's the first time we've heard it here on the show. <laughs> DJ, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. The ultimate Halloween episode. Uh, Let's do it again. All right, I appreciate your time. This time, next time we'll do it in person, okay? Absolutely.